Activist Radio is on the air. You've tuned into the Mark Harrington Show. Sponsored by Created Equal. Time is running out for our nation. I beg of you, you need to stand against the evil that's plaguing our nation. If you don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. Like, you kill a baby fetus, the same thing as killing any old inanimate object. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders. people it's your movement now it's not your parents anymore the blood that is shed cries out to god from the ground for justice and now here's mark well it's true time is running out for our nation folks we've got to turn this around A nation that sheds innocent blood, that kills its unborn children, has no future, literally has no future, Uh, in the sense that if we kill our unborn, we really have no future, and in the fact that we don't have successive generations. But if we kill our unborn, the wrath of God will judge our nation. You're listening to your radio activists here on the Mark Harrington Show. And folks, you can check us out by going to markharrington.org. We're also broadcast over the air on WRFD 880 AM in Ohio. You can pick us up on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Periscope, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those uh, social media platforms as well as um, uh, Facebook and YouTube. So. If you want to find out more about our work, you can also go to createdequal.org. We are raising up a standard across America, calling the nation to repent for the shedding of innocent blood. And this week we've been, uh, at least some of us, I don't know if you follow things like I do. I'm kind of a political junkie. So I've been checking in on the Republican National Convention that has been virtually held in Charlotte, North Carolina, although I will say that the Republicans actually had people there. You know, they they had, a, a, you know, crowds and, and, and so forth for the president and such. Uh, I'm not going to get into the style of the Republican National Convention. What I want to get into is the substance of it. And I want to ask this question. Is the GOP, that is the grand old party, the Republican Party, doing enough to end child killing? The number one issue that faces America. Now, you might say, well, Mark, what? We've got all these other problems. We've got COVID. we got the uh, racial issues, riots in the streets, so forth and so on, unemployment, so on. Here's the deal. If we don't get this one right, none of the others matter. You can't kill unborn babies. You can't kill the most vulnerable among us, 2,600 every single day and think that we are going to have the blessing of God on us. In fact, I would say that COVID and the riots in the streets are simply the judgment of God for 47 years of unabated child killing. So we got to get this one right, because none of the others are going to matter if we don't get this one right. So the question is, is the Republican Party, the GOP, doing enough to end child killing? Now, if you've been watching the RNC and a speech here and a speech there, 
uh, they have put up some um, some pro-life activists and others talking about the importance of protecting the unborn. Uh, we watched Abby Johnson, who uh, is a former Planned Parenthood director. She spoke the other night very compellingly on her history, her experience at Planned Parenthood and why she left. And so what I do, I want to start out and we want to play that clip. Uh, this is from, I think, Tuesday night. Abby Johnson, who is a former Planned Parenthood director, talks about her experience at Planned Parenthood and why she left. Go ahead and play that clip. But the tipping point came a month later when a physician asked me to assist with an ultrasound guided abortion. Nothing prepared me for what I saw on the screen. An unborn baby fighting back, desperate to move away from the suction. And I'll never forget what the doctor said next. Beam me up, Scotty. The last thing I saw was a spine twirling around in the mother's womb before succumbing to the force of the suction. Go ahead and stop On it October there. 6th. Now, it's ironically, and, and listen, I, I support Abby Johnson. I'm thankful for her ministry. I'm glad she came out of Planned Parenthood. Uh, I support and, and, and very much rec recommend Unplanned, the movie. It talks about her exodus from Planned Parenthood. But ironically, Abby Johnson has been uh, someone who has opposed the use of abortion victim photography and video uh, when it comes to pro-life uh, pro activists like Created Equal. Ironically, which, you know, you, you look at her testimony, she said it right there before America. The reason she left, because she saw an abortion on an ultrasound. That's why she left Planned Parenthood mainly, because she saw the baby parts. She saw the suction. She saw the tearing apart of limb by limb by the suction catheter. Uh, she experienced it herself, visually. Uh, and so it is that abortion victim photography and video are the most powerful tools that we have to change public opinion, to change hearts and minds, individual hearts and minds. If video or pictures or an ultrasound of an abortion can change Abby Johnson's mind, which it did, a former Planned Parenthood director, then it can change anybody's mind, folks. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, the fact that we take these images to college and high school campuses is the most effective thing we can do because abortion, the word, has lost its meaning. Uh, we need to see it to understand it. And the pictures communicate a very complex message at a glance. It's kind of like a data compression device, if you will. Whether it's video or pictures, people get it when they see the photos. And so it is with all social reform movements have used uh, images of injustice to make their case. And so it should be with us. Uh, it worked with Abby Johnson and it'll work with others. Now, it doesn't reach everyone. I get it. And there may be some times and places, although I think there's pretty much any time in any place. But I'm willing to defer to people on the usage of these images in time and place and the manner in which they're done. 
But the fact of the matter is it, it does change hearts and minds, and Abby Johnson is a testimony to that. So go ahead and finish the clip. This is Abby Johnson again at the Republican National Convention. I left the clinic looking back only to remember why I now advocate so passionately for life. I founded and currently run, and then there were none, a nonprofit organization that's helped nearly 600 abortion workers transition out of the industry. For most people who consider themselves pro-life, abortion is abstract. They can't even conceive of the barbarity. They don't know about the products of conception room and abortion clinics where infant corpses are pieced back together to ensure nothing remains in the mother's wombs or that we joked and called it the pieces of children room. You see, for me, abortion is real. I know what it sounds like. I, I know what abortion smells like. Did you know abortion even had a smell? All right, I've stop been it the there. Go ahead and stop it there. Well, she talks about abortion being an abstraction to most Americans, and this is true. It's just a euphemism. It's another word. It doesn't mean anything to them until they see it, until they actually come to grips with what it is. And she talked about the smell of abortion. Now, what I'm thinking she's talking about is the smell of death. That is rotting corpses, babies who have been killed by abortion in the Planned Parenthood clinic. And that reminds me of a, a, a clip from the movie uh, Amazing Grace, which is the story of William Wilberforce. And in that movie, there's a segment which he talks, it, it talks about the Madagascar, which was a slave ship. And uh, William Wilberforce arranges for MPs to come by that ship. And he talks about the smell of death. Go ahead and play that clip. It has just returned from the Indies, where it delivered 200 men women and children to Jamaica. When it left Africa, there were 600 on board. The rest died of disease or despair. That smell is the smell of death. Slow, painful death. Breathe it in. Breathe it deeply. Take those handkerchiefs away from your noses. There now. Remember that smell. Remember the Madagascar. Remember that God made men equal. All right, you can end it there. Folks, I've, I hugely recommend this movie. If you've never seen it before, it's called Amazing Grace. It's the story of William Wilberforce, who uh, worked to abolish slavery in, uh, in England and Britain. And, uh, you know, it's just a powerful movie. That, that clip, I think, is the strongest because it talks about the smell of death. That, and he exhorted the MPs to breathe it in, to smell it to know it, to feel it. Now, we don't have corpses of aborted babies that we can force people to smell, but we do have the fo photos and video that we can make people see. And just like the smell, you can't get it out of your nostrils when you smell something rancid or something like death, like 
bodies that have been killed, mutilated bodies that have been decomposing. Just like you can't get that smell out of your nose, you can't get these images out of your head. They cannot, they're like, they're like embedded there. They're burned into your brain. And so that's why it's so important that we make abortion real to Americans. Additionally, uh, at the Republican National Convention, Americans heard from Nick Sandman. Of course, that was the story of the young man who, uh, I guess, now you could say maybe providentially showed up at the Lincoln Memorial and was confronted by Nathan Phillips. He spoke on why he was there at the March for Life, why he stood for life, and you know the attacks of the left against him simply because he had a little smirk on his face. Additionally, as well, Sister Dee Dee Byrne spoke. Uh, a nun, a Catholic nun, spoke at the Republican National Convention. Very powerful pro-life speech. Go ahead and play that clip. And while we tend to think of the marginalized as living beyond our borders, the truth is the largest marginalized group in the world can be found here in the United States. They are the unborn. As Amen. Christians, we first met Jesus as a stirring embryo in the womb of an unwed mother and saw him born nine months later in the poverty of the cave. It's no coincidence that Jesus stood up for what was just and was ultimately crucified because what he said wasn't politically correct or fashionable. As followers of Christ, we are called to stand up for life against the politically correct or fashionable of today. We must fight against a legislative agenda that supports and even celebrates destroying life in the womb. Keep in mind the laws we create define how we see our humanity. And we must ahead, ask ourselves. So, Sister Dee Dee Byrne, listen, folks. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, we're hearing that at the national, the Republican National Convention. My question is. Do you even hear anything remotely close to that in your churches? This is the Republican National Convention. And yet, I submit to you that from most pulpits in America, whether Catholic or evangelical, you are not hearing the same kind of message that you're hearing from the Republican National Convention and Sister Dee Dee Byrne. A powerful uh, defense of the unborn. She talked about the marginalized. Uh, she used language uh, and talked about the, that life begins at conception. You know, we're all immersed in this Black Lives Matter and dealing with racial injustice. And now we have this new uh, case in Wisconsin, Kenosha, which, by the way, we were there a week and a half ago, uh, staying in Kenosha as we were at the Republican National Convention. And again, America is now focused once again on uh, the, uh, the issue of racial injustice and the whole thing of Black Lives Mattering. But really, and I, I don't want to do a whataboutism here, but we're, we're off base here. We're, we're focusing on the wrong thing. We have 2,600 babies being killed every single day in America without even a peep. Not a word from our politicians, hardly. Although here we heard from some folks at the Republican National Convention. Hardly a word from our church leaders, our religious leaders, evangelical and Catholic. Hardly a word from our academics, you know, our elites. Hardly a word from anyone. But everyone's focused on Black Lives Matter. 
We all agree that black lives matter, but we also believe that all lives matter, which includes unborn lives. And when you're getting 2,600, when 2,600 children are being slaughtered every single day in America, and there's hardly anyone up raising their voice against it, somebody has to call people to account that we've got our eyes on the wrong target. If we can't defend and protect the most innocent among us in the womb, who have no way of defending themselves, then how do we think we're going to get the issue of race right? How do we think we're going to get that right? It's time for us to stand up for life. And if you want to help us, you can help us by going to createdequal.org and you can support us financially. Go to createdequal.org and just click on the donate link and you can give us a gift uh, online. Uh, it's fully tax deductible and or you can write a check to Created Equal, P.O. Box 360502. That's 360502 Columbus, Ohio, 43236. We need your support. We also need your, your body. We need your boots on the ground as we go out to high school and college campuses around America. Now, a lot of people talk about how Donald Trump, President Trump is the most pro-life president in history. We hear that bantered about by anti-abortion activists uh, for almost three years now. And, you know, most people aren't going to try to, you know, defend that necessarily. But I often wonder, and I'm, listen, I'm a Donald Trump fan. I'm voting for the guy. I voted for him in 2016. I'm going to vote for him again. I support Donald Trump. But this idea that he is the most, uh, most pro-life president in history is something that we need to examine. Uh, who are we comparing him to? Uh, I mean, if we're comparing him to George Washington, I'm not so sure. Uh, what about Ronald Reagan? That guy was pretty pro-life. In fact, he wrote a book about it. He called Abortion in the Conscience of America. Uh, so I don't know if he is the most pro-life president in history. I'm not sure it matters whether we give him that title or not. Sometimes I think once you label someone something like that, uh, where else are they supposed to go? What else are they supposed to do? If we ask them to do more, why would they do more when they already realize that we think he's done the most? And so I think maybe it's not helpful to call him the most pro-life president in history. He's certainly done a lot for the pro-life movement, but has he done enough? Uh, if you want to look at just some of the facts, uh, President Trump has cut $60 million in funding from Planned Parenthood. That's a good thing. but. We have failed to defund Planned Parenthood altogether, who still gets one or a half billion dollars from from the federal government every year. And for the first two years, President Trump had both houses of Congress and he failed to do that. I mean, he's doing what he can, but uh, he also nominated two justices to the U.S. Supreme Court, Justice Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. I guess the jury is still out on them, but uh, obviously that is probably the most important thing that a president can do uh, is nominate uh, justices to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, you know, his record has been good. Now, where I would fault President Trump uh, the most is the use of the bully pulpit. I, I don't really think that this is a heart issue for him. Uh, you know, years ago he was pro-choice, admittedly when he was uh, in the business sector. So whether this is a hard issue to him, I don't know. 
but it would come out more often, I think, if he were, uh, if it were a hard issue for him. If it, if he breathed it like we do in the pro-life movement, like I do, wake up every day wanting to end it, uh, I think it would make its way into more of his speeches. Uh, so I don't think he's used the bully pulpit as he could, but he has done some things. We need to demand more of our president. We need to demand more of the Republican Party. We should not settle just because we, you know, people consider him the most pro-life president in history. And why do I say that? Because if you look at the Team Trump's 50 core priorities and goals that were released right before the Republican National Convention, if you look at those line by line by line, there is no mention, none, zero, nada mention of abortion. No mention to the abolishing of abortion. No mention to the defunding of Planned Parenthood. No mention to the ending of abortion. Instead, it lists jobs, which are important. COVID, obviously important. China, health care, education, illegal uh, immigration, uh, uh, and other things. But nothing about abortion in his 50 core priorities and goals. Now, that doesn't mean that he isn't going to do something about it, but you would think if it were a priority and a goal to the Trump team, it would make it into the top 50, and apparently it didn't. In other words, words are cheap, speeches are cheap, uh, they're good, and they're motivating, and they get people to uh, support the president, but words are cheap, actions are what count. And that's really what we need uh, from our president. The bully pulpit and actions, actual things that he's done. And, and you know, for the most part, the president is very limited in his ability to do a lot of things. It's, you know, he's not a king. He can't just sign a piece of paper and end abortion tomorrow. But he has done what I think is possible to be done by defunding Planned Parenthood, $60 million dollars, by nominating justices to the U.S. Supreme Court that apparently look like they might be strict constructionists, at least the jury is still out on that. And they've done other things like restoring the Mexico City policy, which prevents tax funding of abortion overseas. And he's done other things as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to dump on the guy. Uh, I think he's done good work. But uh, I think we can, we can, we, we must we must demand more, especially now if he gets a second term, because the president does one main thing, and that is he nominates people to the U.S. Supreme Court, justices to the U.S. Supreme Court. And in the next term, he's likely going to get another shot at it, probably one, possibly two. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is probably on the way out, and there might be more in a second term of Donald Trump. And although that's important, it's not enough sometimes because. Even in the U.S. Supreme Court uh, since 1980, and this is this is difficult uh, medicine, people. Um, I'm an both person. I believe that we need to be working the presidential when it comes to politics, working the presidential angle, trying to get a pro-life president in the White House to nominate uh, justices to the U.S. Supreme Court that will overturn Roe v. Wade and send it back to the states. Um, I believe in that. We need to be working that. But we cannot put all our eggs in that basket. Why? Well, first of all, it hasn't worked. I mean, so far, right? 
Uh, it's unlikely that anything is going to be happening at the U.S. Supreme Court in the near future to reverse Roe versus Wade. Why do I say that? Because since 1980, 40 years ago, 23 of those 40 years, we have had a pro-life Republican president in the, uh, in the White House. 23 of those 40 years. Out of those 23 years, we've had nine justices put up on the Supreme Court that have been approved. And of those nine, five of them that have turned out to be good ones and four of them have turned out to be bad ones. In other words, they've turned and really have become pro-abortion. So even when we nominate and when we put up a president to the White House, we get him in the White House, there's no guarantee. In fact, history tells us that it's, a, it's kind of a, a split deal here. Uh, out of nine justices, five of them have been good and four of them have been bad. So it's a crapshoot, but we need to continue to work that as well as work at the state level to pass bills that would abolish abortion, like the Life of Conception Act here in Ohio. And that's what we'll support, the and both uh, strategy, working the state legislatures to ban abortion and working to get a president in the White House that will nominate uh, strict constructionists to the U.S. Supreme Court. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil. plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808. That's 614-269-7808. Or go online to createdequal.net. createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.